Welcome players and fans of the game to the Pennsylvania High School Football Report powered by Penn Live. My name is Jana Benzbitter. I'm alongside my colleague, Eric Epler, also known as Ep. We are kicking off our podcast talking about trending topics regarding Pennsylvania football. We'll have some in-depth player conversations as well as interviews with coaches. Uh, we might even dabble in some X's and O's, but we're here to have a whole lot of fun and interact with you. We'll chat rankings, talking about teams on the rise, and even answer some of your questions. So Ep, how's your Friday morning going? It's going great, Jana. How are you doing? All right. I'm doing well. Yeah. <clears throat> it's already week two. Well, they don't they don't officially call it week two in PIAA. We 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 started week zero, which eh, we don't use. So it's week one last week. We're on to week two. It's always an exciting time. We got through the weather, apparently. So far. Fingers yeah. crossed. So we're coming to you a few hours before the uh, week two slate on a Friday night starts. We've already had three games this week. Uh, you know, we had three games uh, scheduled for last night, Thursday night. So that's a good start. But yeah, let's let everybody know what's what's uh, what's on tap. Remember, uh, this is the PA High School Football Report. You can reach us here every Friday, uh, and obviously, fire questions. We get to them. If we don't get to them, um, in, in the following week, we'll get to them somewhere down the road. So, uh, Jay Ben Scooter at PenLive.com, and of course, E Epler at PenLive.com. You can also find us on Twitter. And, of course, we can find this podcast, uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. You can find us there uh, every Friday, and the show's up here archived as well. So we're excited for this. Um, we're excited to have uh, as our first official guest, Central Dolphin head coach Glenn McNamee is going to join us in about 10 minutes. Um, the Rams certainly have one of the top programs in District 3. Uh, we're going to talk to Coach Mack. And, and why it's uh, why those long list of wins that he's racked up since he uh, since he showed up to CD 20 years ago um, really are not all don't all originate on the field. So we'll talk to Coach Mack here in about 10 minutes. Uh, what is any opening week uh, in Pennsylvania high school football? Uh, like we said, we had the weather to deal with. We had a couple of very, very interesting story, one national, but not for good reason. Um, so we'll go over all of those things. And of course, We'll uh, we'll identify maybe a top matchup around the state and maybe a top or top matchup locally, uh, too, that we're kind of looking at and specifically for down the road, what it means for these teams down the road um, and, of course, the immediate future. So so, you know, it, it's been a it's been a tough go to get here. Uh, obviously, there's some schools and programs still dealing with covid, um, so they have not started the season yet, but we'll get everybody going here. Uh, over the next 24 to 48 hours, hopefully. Yeah, uh, and so we have additionally some interesting topics that we're going to talk about. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, you're not alone, but we're looking a little bit west. We're going to be talking a little bit about Ohio's online charter school, Bishop Sycamore. <clears throat> like I said, if you haven't heard of them, you're not alone. Uh, F, in your knowledge, in, in your memory, can you think of any situation where a team with no name recognition makes it onto ESPN in the history of high school football? I mean, maybe not going back forever. Obviously the advent of the inter internet was like, you know, in the early 2000s, late nineties, but uh, how did we get here? How did this Bishop Sycamore situation arise? This is such an interesting and, and twisted story. And, 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 you know, what this real really boils down to Janet is, uh, you know, we've learned over the years, uh, particularly in the last 15 years, as some of these, I, I guess, 
similar situations that arose. This word exposure can be mm -hmm. a very dangerous thing, um, yeah. particularly for uh, teenagers. Um, obviously, it's a big marketing tool uh, aimed at aspiring at, uh, college athletes. Yep. I mean, all athletes, let's face it, all athletes, you know, you, you're an athlete, Jana, um, you know, all athletes, no matter the sport, they want to be seen. Um, they all want to try to separate themselves from the pack. So you see this word exposure used as a marketing tool to kind of get these people uh, involved in certain groups and things like that. That's really what this story is about and, and how sort of one man, really, Roy Johnson, uh, who has now been let go uh, on Tuesday, he was fired from Bishop Sycamore. Uh, after this sort of story just unraveled over a national stage. Uh, in a nutshell, you know, uh, Mr. Sycamore said yes to play Stowe Rocks in this uh, Whitfield versus everyone showcase that was at the Wolverine over the weekend uh, outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, Harrisburg, as you know, was involved in that on Saturday, uh, defeating Pine Richland. Um, but less than 48 hours after that, Bishop Sycamore was lining up against IMG Academy. Now, most people by now know who IMG Academy is in Florida, national powerhouse. They just churn out, uh, obviously, top-end FBS recruits. Uh, and this game was nationally televised on ESPN. It was a blowout. And even during the broadcast, the story of Bishop Sycamore started to really unravel, where Roy Johnson had actually said they, they had two teams. One was the team that played Stow Rocks, and the national team was the team that was going to play take on IMG. Well, it turns out that most of the kids who played against Sycamore were on this quote-unquote national team that played IMG and lost 56-6. to six. Uh, It was really embarrassing. Um, and on top of everything, it's dangerous. It was a dangerous yeah. situation. And that's where this, you know, word exposure, whether Roy Johnson was looking for exposure for him, uh, exposure for, for the program. Yeah. And in the long run, it's the kids who suffer in this. I mean, you know, it's up to the adults. I mean, it, Johnson, the officials who sanction these schools, uh, the folks who vet teams, um, you know, for something like the Whippeal versus everyone showcase, certainly IMG, certainly ESPN. There's a lot of blame to go around in, in this. Um, but you need these adults to make wise decisions when it comes to these kids. And they, they failed miserably here. You know, as well as I do, kids want to play. They'll play right. from dusk to dawn. So you need the adults to make wise decisions in this situation. And it's just a shame on, on their end. Um, I mean, if, if, if they said to you, Jana, okay, you get to play with your buddies, you get to play on national TV, and you get to play a team like IMG, who's routinely ranked as one of the top five teams in the country every single year. I mean, are you going to turn that down? Are, are you going to? Yeah, of course not. You're going to. Well, the obvious up. answer, obviously, is no. Right. Yeah. You're going to lace them up and you're going to go out there, even if it's 24 to 48 hours after you last laced them up. So you're going to do that. This really reminds me. And again, we go back to this word exposure. This reminds me of if we turn it locally and it's a little it's a little different situation. And it was really no fault of Bishop McDevitt's. But back in 2013, Bishop McDevitt, if you remember, was coming off a very long um, run four to five year run where they were in a couple of PIAA championships. They had won like, I believe at the end, it was probably six or seven straight district titles. Um, Matt Johnson, who went, went on for a record setting career at Bowling Green, the quarterback. And it was really the year after Noah Spence, um, who was the nation's top recruit 
defensive end who went on Ohio State and then uh, to the NFL briefly. So they were coming off this monster successful run and they wanted to sort of spread their wings a little bit. So they signed up um, for this thing called the, it was called the I-95 Classic. They were supposed to play a national caliber high school football team from the D.C. metro area Mm -hmm. at Bird Stadium at the University of Maryland. So they basically split their rivalry with Harrisburg. And if you know anything about the rivalry with between McDevitt and Harrisburg, three blocks apart on Market Street for years and years and years, then that was a big deal. But again, it was a chance for McDevitt to sort of blow their program up a little bit and take a next step and get exposure. Well, of course, the people promoting it, he, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And then it just fell apart. And it fell apart at such a late hour that Bishop McDevitt really had to scramble and fill their number one hole in their week for, for the first two, the next two seasons. And they wound up picking up steel high, which is really, you know, not a fair fight most years anyway, at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So things like that, when you, you're relying on these quote unquote promoters, you're relying on something that's, you're not quite sure what happens. And it is, it's all about that exposure. Now, again, Bishop McDevitt had every right to try to do that, you know, and, and to try to gain a little bit more notoriety for the program. They were winning, they were, you know, so, you know, it's nothing on their fault. But again, the, on the back end, you know, you had these people doing unwise, doing untested things or being unwise and, and sort of making bad decisions. Well, when you're talking about, you're talking about dotting I's crossing T's, right? You know, like look at organizations that are anchored in football. So they're making sure, number one, the, the guys are saved, safe. And right. uh, there are questions about that. This was picked up and glossed over, uh, analyzed by every major uh, sports organization. You know, you've got ESPN looking into it, sending out a statement. You have uh, CBS News. You've got, you know, the Washington Post. You've got a whole bunch of sports minds chiming in on this and at the heart of it is safety and like what's the point of organizing something like this and then it can cause problems for every other other organization throughout the country um so let's look at a a local organization that we uh, we had the opportunity to talk to uh the head coach you know we talked about weather has been impacting our local games here and additionally there's the uh delta variant that has been spreading and perhaps may have inflicted some uh slowdowns or uh game cancellations uh but we got the opportunity to talk to cd rams head coach uh glenn mcnamee uh we caught up with him recently to talk about the success of a uh, small program that he has organized and how uh, most of his 100 plus victories originated off the field. Joining us on the Pennsylvania High School Football Report is Central Dauphin head coach Glenn McNamee. He has been in charge of the program for 16 years and has a 141-44 overall record. Last week was week one. Some of us experienced lightning, others did not. Thanks for being on here with us, coach. How did things go for you and your team in the first week? Well, it was definitely not what we'd hoped for. We traveled to Wilson. It's always a very difficult matchup, especially in week one. And after we got there, went through some pregame. The game was postponed, so we had to make the trip again on Saturday. So uh, the only thing worse than going to Wilson is going to Wilson back-to-back days. Uh, they beat us 27-21, to 21, but there was a lot, a lot to uh, build upon, for sure, with our inexperienced team. Coach, we always say this. We, we get to say this once a year. Uh, that a team makes its biggest leap 
it's most progress. I mean, obviously when you're barreling toward a playoff and you get that steam going, that's another thing, but a team makes their most progress from week one to week two. Um, it, it, are you a firm believer in that and, and why, why or why not? I think that certainly can be true. I think it is true often. One of the reasons is, you know, most times you're playing with kids where it's their first varsity game in that first mm -hmm. game. And they really haven't played before. Whereas in the second game, everybody's got some experience, at least under their belt. I think that's a big part of it. Of course, this week, we missed out on practice to, uh, on Wednesday night. So that's uh, hopefully something that won't keep that uh, truism from being true. Coach, we talk, uh, we see a lot of, um, a lot of things trickle down from the professional ranks to the college ranks and then to the high school ranks. It usually takes about, it's like a five-year window, you know, and I know you and I probably agree on a few things we wish wouldn't trickle down uh, from the pro game or the college game. But, you know, we, t we throw this word culture around a lot. And it's been said, at least I've noticed it. I know Jan and I, Jan and I were talking about it. Um, it's been thrown a lot around the high school uh, world, high school football world in the past like five, six years. Um, you've been very successful on the field, no doubt, but I think what makes your program that much stronger is what you guys do off the field. And I think that's the direct link that that culture that everybody sort of talks about. Can you talk to us a little bit about the community connections program that you implemented, uh, way back in 2006, we're getting old coach. Um, but, uh, but just kind of, kind of give us the broad strokes of, of what that program entails and, um, and what it means to the program. I appreciate you asking because it's something that's very special to us and it is a huge part of our culture. It's more than just football is our mantra for Central Dolphin Rams football. And it really is more than just football for our kids. When you look at all that we do uh, in totality through the course of a year, but I think more than anything, our community connections program is what mostly makes us more than just football. When, when I got hired in 2006, uh, the staff collectively decided that we wanted to create a program where kids were encouraged to get involved in community service and helping others. You know, in high school football, it can so easily be just about you. You get a lot of attention. Right. In this part of the country, when you play high school football, it's a big deal. And as a teenager, it can, uh, you know, you can easily be self-centered. And uh, we wanted them to understand they're part of something bigger than themselves. And we wanted their experience to be something that was far more than just Friday nights. So we started small that year, we had 11 events. And uh, just over the years, uh, it, it, a lot of times football is a hand-me-down sport. The younger guys see what the older guys are doing mm -hmm. on it for good or bad. But the older guys, I'll, I'll never forget that first group of seniors in 2006. Some of those leaders jumped in, but with both feet. And the younger guys saw that. And then when they became seniors, they did even more. And the younger guys saw that. We're now at a point where we have about 50 to 60 events a year now. Not these last two years with the pandemic. But that's kind of what we're doing each year. And, and it's been wonderful to watch our young men. You know, we have great kids at Central Dolphin who come from great families. And uh, it really is an opportunity them, for them, for everybody to see what kind of good kids we have when they see them out in the community doing those things. I would Coach, what, um, what, what inspired you to start the initiative? What, what was it? I mean, you're obviously talking about more than football and, you know, that they're already committed to the work that you provide them athletically. So this is a, a mental component. Like what, what inspired you though to hand it off to them? Yeah, when I was, uh, when I was in college, I played at Bloomsburg University for coach Danny Hale. 
who the stadium is now named for, and rightfully so. What a great coach, but what a great person. And he really wanted our experience to be more than just football. And he, he encouraged us to get involved in volunteer efforts. And that always stuck with me. And in 2006, when we had the opportunity to really get this in motion, we jumped on it. And uh, it's been one of the best things that we've had going for us. You know, we've had a lot of great moments on Friday nights at Landis Field, Hershey Park Stadium. But honestly, some of the moments and some of the lessons learned far surpass what's been done on the football field. Coach, uh, just a side note here. I did look this up. You are still tied for third all time with career touchdown passes at Bloomsburg. You, you, I, I'll bet you, you know that, right? You, 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 do you keep track of that? Well, no, definitely not. And I do, they've had a tremendous amount of success after I left. Right. In fact, soon after I left, they had even more success. So I, I was humbling very quickly to realize that they, they have a great, they had a great program there with a great coach. And I'm just lucky enough to be a small part of that. Well, we obviously had a, a tremendous season. Four-year starter. I'll just throw that out there, too, for, you know, a little bit more. Little Thank bit you. Swag. The, the, the a little bit more street cred there. <laughs> the, the check's in the mail, Eric. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> All right, Coach, uh, we're talking to Central Dolphin head coach Glenn McNamee. Uh, 16th year now, Coach, is that correct? Is yes. That coach? Hard to believe, but yes. Yeah, and 20 years with the program. Yes. Uh, let's get back a little bit to the community connections thing. Coach, how do you select – the events that you do are, are they sort of do they do they kind of come organically or I'm sure there's a thousand options for you and you have yeah. to sort of you know get what fits into the schedule for for not just you guys but also the players but do the players ever suggest these things how do that how does that come about that's a really good question we go generally this is an off-season program we get into the season uh, as everybody knows it's exceptionally busy for players and coaches so these 50 to 60 events what makes it even more impressive i think is that they're jamming it in mainly from february through july right we do a little bit in december and january but in the early going we first uh, started this program we had to seek out but as the word got out and, and it became more part of our culture as you mentioned we started seeing more people come to us, you know, asking us for help, which was great. And uh, we, each year, one of the greatest parts of that program are reading to the elementary school kids that feed the Central Dolphin High School. We have six elementary schools. And after doing enough years, what happens is uh, we ended up having kids go read who remembered when they themselves were in elementary school having Rams come to read them. Mm. So it made it even more special that it was their turn. And to go in the classrooms and be able to watch that is really special. Retirement home visits. That's something that started about 10 years ago. And we go to uh, usually two a month to a couple different retirement homes. And the coordinators there always have some great activities for our kids to do. Sing-along, balloon volleyball, charades. Uh, that, that's something that everybody should have a chance to be able to watch because it's, it's really neat. Uh, we've, we've gone to um, food banks a lot. Uh, there's one in particular to do it the first of each month. Children's Miracle Network. Uh, they have an egg hunt, usually, except for the pandemic, but they have an egg hunt, uh, sometimes at Hershey Park Stadium. In fact, one of our all, my all-time favorite memories was we had a group of kids in 2019. They got a picture after that egg hunt for Children's Miracle Network with the Hershey Kiss. Nice. And, uh, well, what was best about it is 
one of our senior wide receivers was in the costume as the Hershey kiss. <laughs> we still have that picture in the weight room. And, and that goes to what I said earlier about the memories on Friday nights are awesome. But a lot of these guys in the last 15 years, I guarantee you, they have some great memories from these events. So um, you had mentioned also the originals, so to speak, the, the group in 2006 that kicked it off, the leadership. Um, what kind of feedback have you received since then? Uh, even like looking at your seniors this year, you know, you mentioned COVID with, with restrictions. Are they excited to start this back up again? Do they feel like it is benefiting them as well as the people you're serving? Yeah, well, uh, I was a little concerned because in 2020, we had very few events in. And I was, like I said earlier, it's a hand-me-down type thing. But now we're looking at seniors who, you know, when they were juniors, didn't really get to do a whole lot. But I was so pleased and, and really proud of our kids this year. We did 20-some events. I think it was 23 events this year. Uh, not what we usually get to do, but, man, they did. They jumped in, and we had a lot of uh, volunteers and a lot of kids get involved, and especially in the senior class. So that sets the stage very nice for the coming year. I have no doubt, knock on wood, that we'll be able to, if we're able to do have a normal year, that we're going we're gonna to have a great year in 2022. And coach, you reached a, a few milestones, right? Recently with, with the yeah. number of events and the number of hours, I mean, the, the number of hours, and I'll let you uh, tell the people the number of hours that you guys have put in since 2006. It's really staggering. Yeah, an average year, like I said, is 50 to 60 events for about 11, 1200 hours. Some years we've gotten 13, 1400 hours. And this year, even though we didn't have our usual number, one of those events where we cleaned up our campus for Earth Day, we uh, that was our 600th event, which was pretty cool. And uh, we're, we were hoping to get to 15,000 hours in these last two years, but because of the pandemic, we didn't. But we're now on the doorstep of 15,000 hours that we hope to hit next year, which will be a really, really cool milestone. I think, Coach, too, what, what adds to that, again, going back to that culture, too, of Central Dolphin, is the fact this is above and beyond basically the contract that you guys that you guys make make the players sign about being part of this group. And I'd imagine in that contract, we spoke a little bit about this in depth years ago after the 2011 championship season, uh, state championship season of 2011, uh, about how, how the program has basically grown too. And that's that seems to be, again, something like something – maybe like a college would do, you know what I mean? To basically to make that pact that this is what it means. This is what you need to do to be part of this program too. Did the same, did this uh, idea kind of originate in the same way? Yeah, we, it has definitely been something we have strived towards over the years to create in a lot of ways, a, a college program, or at the very least a small college program. And that's something that's driven us in a lot of our decision-making and, you know, you, you referenced something about you know, the contract. In our program, as you know, Eric, we require and ask a lot in the off-season. Yep. You know, just the weight room and the off-season program that we have alone keeps our kids really busy. Uh, it requires a lot of dedication and commitment. And then on top of that, academically, we have high expectations. And then on top of that, to be able to commit your time to volunteering and community service the way that they do, I don't know how many other groups of high school football players in the state do as much as our kids do uh, when it comes to weightlifting, off-season, uh, community service, and academics. And as a coach, I, I couldn't ask for more. And, you know, you always want to try to inspire kids as a coach. Right. Our Central Dolphin inspired us. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Well, 141 wins since he got there, Coach. I think there's a direct correlation between both ends of that success on and off the field. Uh, I want to thank you for your time. Obviously, best of luck this week. Burke's Catholic, I believe, is coming to town. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Another another tough opponent from Berks County. So obviously you gotta you gotta get her done and you got work to do. We're gonna let you go. But thank you so much. I, 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 I since you brought it up, I did want to mention it's our seventh annual gold star mom game. We're gonna have 15 players playing for fallen heroes. And our PA announcer actually announces them during the game as the fallen hero they're playing for. It's a great tradition, really emotional, yeah. and we're really excited about it. Yeah, I don't know how Foxy keeps track of everything, but it is a great job. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they have uh, oxygen up there for him. <laughs> it is not <laughs> easy. We'll get, we'll get him some. Coach, <laughs> thanks again. We appreciate your time as always. Best of luck. We'll be running you here into the sidelines here uh, shortly. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Coach. All right, so we're heading down the home stretch here. Uh, it was a great conversation with the coach. We really appreciate that he gave us some of his time uh, and joining us on Friday morning. So we will cap off our mailbag session with the most pressing question that Ep he receives every year. How are your state rankings produced each week? This is interesting. I get this question at least four to five times at every game that I'm at that I cover, um, mostly from fans. Uh, I think the kids are just happy that there are rankings. I don't think the kids care, care that much, to be honest with you. Some coaches really care. Some they like tell me they don't, but anyway, I think most people, uh, uh, most people think that I literally just pull, pull names out of a hat, you know, put 15 to 20 names in a hat and go that route. But the state rankings are really, it's really a long process. They're science. Yeah. There's, <laughs> that's, there's, science that's, that's the scientific. Yeah. Yeah. That's the scientific way. <laughs> Uh, and, and maybe it'll work out better. I don't know. But anyway, it really starts, it, it, you know, the preseason rankings really start, you know, uh, really only a few hours after the PIAA championships uh, the year before. And, and the reason is, is you sort of work your way backwards. You know, the teams that are showing up in the finals, you know, you have all that information, you have all those rosters, you do all the research for the previews for the championships and things like that. So you start with those 12 teams and two per class, and then you work your way backwards through the playoff bracket, and you kind of do the same things. You look at you look at rosters and see guys that might come back, and that doesn't mean if 15 starters are supposed to be back that they all are back. There's right. transfers. There's people that move out of state, move to different you know parts of the state. So um, obviously you have to you have to do your due diligence there. But I have a trusted network of sports writers and they're all and a lot of them are old like me um that have been <laughs> that have been in the game for a long time some longer than me um and there's probably eight to ten that i rely on when it comes to uh giving me the low down in their region or their neck of the woods yeah. um so we cover you know the piwa is broken down into 12 districts so I have a guy, you know, uh, District 10 is Erie, Erie area. So we get input from Erie. We get input from Pittsburgh. We get input from Philly, Scranton, Harrisburg, York, and all parts in between. And from those notes, and because nobody knows their teams better than those guys. Um, and obviously, you know, they come to me for District 3 stuff. But everywhere else, I reach out to these guys a couple times and, um, they're excellent on identifying 
uh, teams that are coming back and what their strengths and weaknesses are. And then it's basically, you know, some film work. It's basically if I have a team that may be right on the fence between the top 10 team and maybe a team to watch, um, you know, we'll find highlights. We'll go digging out. We'll watch a lot of huddle videos and we'll, we'll dig things out. And we do everything we can to sort of get that best 10 in those rankings every, every week. But the season does make – there are more difficult weeks than others – um, especially when you have some top matchups and you have to, you have to weigh what a loss is. That's essentially what rankings are. You weigh what victory means and you weigh what a loss means. Um, mm-hmm. And a loss is, you know, I'm really a proponent of, you know, a loss. You have to penalize somehow. There are, are there good losses if a four, a team loses to a top 10, six, team? Absolutely. They're not falling as far, but you have to weigh those every week. And it, it happens pretty quickly. Um, you know, because, you know, some games aren't the, the slate is typically done, um, sun, for our Saturday nights. And then you're looking at, you know, turning them around Monday for, for, for ranking. So, so yeah, so that's the process of, of getting the preseason and during the season, um, more than just those, you know, trusted eight to 10 writers, uh, reporters will, will email, um, pretty consistently and say, Hey, listen, you need to start looking out for this team. They're three and zero. This quarterback came along a little quicker than most expected, and things like that. And then I can identify those teams, and then start to really pay attention um, in case one of those teams may have slipped through the cracks. I mean, it's again, Jan, it's not an exact science, um, right. but you know, I, I am, I am not. Um, I know what I don't know. And, and so I go to the source to find the information, um, you know, where I need it. That's exactly where I go. So, so it's important, it's important part of the process. And it's, like I said, it's guys who have been, um, it's reporters and writers and guys and, and gals who have been at this game um, a long time and, and can identify it. So, so that's how the process. We've got, I mean, there, there are tons of uh, hard hitting reporters out there covering sports, you know, they're on the sidelines, they're talking to coaches, they're talking to players, they're taking recordings um, and all of that uh, put together then helps you to provide all of our high school football players with where they stand, what they, uh, where they're ranking as far as uh, progress, uh, natural talent, natural ability, and teams coming together with their chemistry on the field. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Cause you could, you know, you could have, you could sort of be, uh, you can get set, uh, you can get comfortable with, um, with with sort of identifying your quote unquote traditional powers, and that's exactly what you don't want to do, um, because every year is different. Uh, last year doesn't mean anything when it comes to this year, um, and it's just uh, preseason may be a little bit easier, but during the season, you really have to be on your toes and you really have to lock in scores and you really have to watch some film and any highlight package that you can find, and um, you know and Occasionally, you'll go with a team that maybe is separated by, you know, some minuscule reason. You know, the difference between being number 10 and being a team to watch is, is usually harder than, than determining who's your one through five. That's the tough part. So as, this, as the season goes forward and we get to the crowning of Pennsylvania state championships, when does it become, is there any point in time when it becomes a little bit more uh, easier to predict who you think is going yeah. to be at the top of the rankings? 
Yeah, it definitely becomes easier as the season progresses. I mean, you know, teams fall out of the playoffs, um, you know, typically right around week 13 or 14, things lined up. See, the way because, – because our playoffs are bracketed, um, you know, we in college football you don't have brackets. You have bowl games, obviously, they're the bowl, the, the final four. Um, but – you, you, you have a bracket, so you can sort of determine who's going to come out of those brackets. I mean, you know, what, some of the tougher cases on where to line up, say, a state college. Uh, traditional power in 6A, obviously, had good success in, in the postseason. But they're, they're the most likely team to come out of six, uh, District 6, which is a state college area, uh, Center County. And they're most likely to come out, say – because there's only four, there's only three teams in the 6A classification. So it's a little easier to kind of predict where they're going to go than, say, the Whippeal, where you may have three or four teams on the top end of 6A um, who are going to make a run and, and are going to decide in the Whippeal playoffs. So uh, can you tell us right now, I guess, uh, quickly name one to two games, why they're important to watch, who should we be watching locally? Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think we'll start locally. And, and to me, two games really pop out this week. Uh, Friday night at the Rock, uh, Middletown at Bishop McDevitt. Uh, former Susquehanna head coach Scott Ackery is now in charge at Middletown. Uh, we sh he, Middletown should have opened the season last week against Lower Dolphin. Uh, they did not. The game was back-ended to November 5th uh, for no reason whatsoever. I guess that's apparently okay to just move a game for no reason uh, <laughs> by conference officials. I don't really understand it because – the problem that I see with that is they put the game um, behind the district three postseason deadline to qualify. So in essence, if one of those teams or both, or, you know, one of those teams does qualify, let's say Middletown qualifies in three a, well, that game just goes away. So you've just stripped lower dolphin um, uh, of an extra of their 10th game, essentially. Um, plus with the power ratings and I'm not going to bore everybody how the power ratings work, uh, because it's convoluted and it's a big old formula and I am not good at math, but <laughs> you, you know, those, those percentage points of your opponents count and they count for 45%. So if that game is not being played till November 5th, that means points are now being stripped from every team that lowered off of plays and every team that Middletown plays. So for no reason to be given for that to be postponed, I think is wrong. But um, again, if it's all right with conference officials, then we just move on. So anyway, so th that game is, is something I'm looking at forward to. Uh, McDevitt, of course, coming off the 21-0 loss to LaSalle College High School. Uh, not a bad loss, but when you get shut out, you want to see a, a lot of improvement in week two. Right. Uh, the second one is Susquehanna. Uh, they're good. They got a new head coach, of course, if Scott Ackery's at Middletown now. Augie Glass, he's a former Harrisburg running back. Um, Susquehanna debuts, a tough Liberty division matchup at line mountain that'll be seven o'clock at the eagle's nest in mandata so those are two local ones as far as pennsylvania i think we're going to the lehigh valley uh district 11 uh big school freedom and emmaus uh, these two are part of that five to six team district 11 scramble and 6a where teams just sort of beat each other up there's a lot of quality football teams out there this year um we'll find out who emerges and the other end is uh whitehall at bethlehem catholic Bethlehem Catholic lost last week to Northampton 17-14. <clears throat> Excuse me, Whitehall is one of the 5A powers out there. Um, so we think they're a contender out there. So 
So that's one team. That's Saturday at 3 p.m. So we'll be looking at Whitehall, Bethlehem Catholic, too. Those are two from the from uh, from around the state we'll be interested in. Great. Uh, so we tease and we joke and we talk about math, but to, uh, <laughs> to, be, <laughs> to be clear, uh, not only are Penn Live reporters, our sports reporters, but uh, reporters across the nation, you know, we take this seriously. We understand that these guys are giving it their all every week. They're, they're training, they're going to classes, they have to academically achieve certain grade point averages. Uh, so we do take uh, numbers seriously. We do take heavy conversations uh, like the one that is uh, perhaps going to have an influence on how things unfold going forward in rankings. Uh, we do take that seriously and we'll watch it until the dust settles. We'll relay that information to you. You'll find it on the PA High School Report and also on our stories on uh, penlive.com. So uh, we'll wrap things up in our first inaugural podcast. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed it and you can find us and reach us on uh, Twitter as Epler had mentioned earlier. You can also find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher or any other podcast destination. So until next week, enjoy week two, which starts right now.